A very good morning, church family. Greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for this day. We thank God that He is always with us. And may our hearts grow to desire Him each and every day. Um, let me also welcome everyone that has, uh, uh, is new, um, feel at home, and uh, get to know them as well as the church, after church. Uh, welcome to Central Baptist Church, where the Word of God is central. One of the, the things that um, are our values as Central Baptist Church is the value of expository preaching. I believe that um, God's plan um, in terms of growing his church is for the word to be preached uh, book by book, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. The, the reason for that, and you'll see that um, it, is, it is actually everywhere in the, in the Bible, when Jesus went to the synagogue and um, they, were, they, they were reading consecutively through um, the, the Old Testament scriptures and he got to a place where um, they, they, they had come to a place where they were reading and he opened uh, there and, and read and said the scriptures are fulfilled. So that actually shows that um, there was a consecutive reading of the, the, the Bible. Even in the New Testament, the books that are written in the New Testament are books uh, where were supposed to be read, um, you know, as the church were meeting Sunday after Sunday um, consecutively. Uh, they were supposed to be read like that. It was not like they read the book of Matthew, a portion here, and next week they read uh, Mark. They were supposed to read them as they go. That was uh, for the health of the church. Why am I saying this? Why am I starting like this? I'm starting like this because we have been going through Mark and today I want to start with an apology. I want to apologize for missing a few verses in chapter 4. We were going through Mark chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 and then chapter 5. We have already handled the five chapters of 16 chapters in Mark. But if you were a careful uh, listener or a careful reader, as I went back and sat down and read through Mark again, just to remind myself of um, the story and just to, to also feed on the Word of God, I discovered that chapter 4, verse 30 to verse 34 was skipped. That was not deliberate, brothers and sisters. It was uh, out of excitement, being a young man, uh, running to preach on, uh, you know, Jesus calming the storm. And, and I believe that Jesus calmed the storms of your heart as well, um, that you won't be angry with me. Uh, uh, there won't be a storm brewing, but you will also, um, you know, uh, be mindful of my youth as well. Uh, so we will go back to chapter 4 um, and look at verse 30 up until verse 34. Mark chapter 4, verse 30 to 34. Let me read from God's word 
as we consider what he has to say to us from this passage. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shades. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word. Let us pray. Indeed, Lord, your word speaks to us as we draw near to you by grace and walk by faith. We pray that you may work in our hearts. Teach us your truths to be a people that truly honor you with their lives. Lord, we are mindful of the winds and the storms, the voices of the world that try to distract us from your word. We pray that in this moment, all these voices will be quiet, all these voices will be ignored to focus on your word that has an an eternal effect on our souls. As your word falls on our hearts, we pray that it will find fertile ground. In the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. When you think about um, you know, stories of companies that started out small and grew into large um, companies which became a force to reckon with, I, I think about uh, my laptop at the moment. It's using a, a, an operating system by uh, Microsoft Windows. Right. This company was started by Bill Gates and Paul Allen in 1975, I think. 1975 in a small garage. Today, almost, not every, almost every household has either a laptop, a computer, or something that is powered by Microsoft. From a small company in a garage to a force to be reckoned with. But that is nothing in comparison to what the gospel of Jesus has done and continues to do even in our day. It pales in comparison to the spread of the kingdom of God. And one of the things that I want you to have in your heart as you listen to Jesus' description of the kingdom of God, I want you to see the privilege of being used as God's vessel to, 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 to spread the kingdom of God and the sharing of the gospel as well. I want you to see not, I want you not to experience the fear that comes with approaching someone and sharing the gospel. I want you to experience at this moment the joy and the privilege that comes with seeing the kingdom progressing because you shared the gospel with someone. You see in this parable, in verses, um, in verses 33 and 34, 
uh, Mark tells us that uh, parables were our Lord's primary means of teaching his truth. And he did this in order to, to remove the excuse from people that they did not understand him or did not hear him. He, 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 he used pictures to make his teaching so, so understandable and so easy and accessible so that at another day they would say, they would not say, my excuse is that I did not hear him. But it would be displayed that it is the unbelief in their hearts. So the disciples may have held some imaginative ideas about what the kingdom of God was like. And so what Jesus Christ does, he starts explaining the kingdom of God. Perhaps they imagined it to be a high mountain that soared above the world, displaying its glory, power, and majesty. Maybe they imagined the kingdom of God as a mighty river that carried its life far away. Perhaps their minds pictured the kingdom as a massive oak, standing tall and providing shade and shelter. We really don't know what they were thinking, but I'm sure they were surprised when Jesus shared this illustration with them, when Jesus shared this parable about the kingdom of God. When Jesus began to speak, he didn't compare the kingdom of God to a high mountain or to a mighty river or to a majestic oak. Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a tiny mustard seed. A tiny mustard seed. He uses the image of something small to teach us about something larger than we can comprehend. Uh, let's look into the words of this parable and see the lessons that Jesus wants to teach us about the kingdom of God. And I want to preach for a few minutes on the parable of the mustard seed, the, this mighty mustard seed. First of all, I want us to see in verse 31 how the kingdom begins. How the kingdom begins. Look at verse 31. He, he says, It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. In comparing the kingdom of God to a tiny mustard seed, Jesus was using a powerful illustration here. While the mustard seed is not the smallest seed known to men, it was the smallest seed planted in the gardens of Jesus' day. It was the smallest seed that they knew. And so Jesus uses the seed as an illustration for them to get what he wants to say. The, the, the mustard seed itself is very tiny. It, it takes about 750 of them to make up a single gram. It is a tiny seed, but it produces a very large plant. And I will say more about that in a moment. Now notice that Jesus compared the kingdom of God to that little seed. In, in, in truth, most people believed that nothing would come, to, to, uh, would come of the Lord Jesus and his ministry. He, he was an insignificant man in human uh, terms. The, the, the people could see the tiny seed, but they could not see the great tree. Let's consider the fact for a moment. Jesus was born in the tiny, in the tiny town of Bethlehem in abject poverty. He, his parents couldn't even afford to, to, to buy a lamb to, to sacrifice when they took him to the temple. They, they, the, the indication that they had doves 
was an indication that they are in abject poverty. They are barely making means. Secondly, he was raised in Galilee. And no one believed that a man of God could come from there. Galilee was not a, a, a very important town. It was an insignificant place. He was raised in Nazareth. The, the inhabitants of that city were considered to be wicked and worldly by the Jews. It's amazing that even today we call him Jesus of Nazareth. He had no family connections. He had no money. He had no support from the religious leaders of his day. I mean, when you read the Gospels, what do you see? How he interacts with the, with, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There's always uh, great luck with them, isn't it? Jesus, again, was considered to be a nobody from, from nowhere who would amount to nothing. His parentage was questioned as well. They, they thought that he was born out of, uh, you know, a, a, an adulterous uh, relationship by his enemies. His followers were, for the most part, the dregs of the society. Tax collectors, prostitutes, you know, people that were considered the worst of the worst. His own people rejected him. He was despised and rejected by man. The, the, the Romans eventually nailed him to a cross and buried him in a tomb. His followers preached his resurrection, but most people ignored their message and considered them fools for following a dead man. Even the Lord's message was hard to swallow. For, 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 for some, it still is, even today, isn't it? After all, Jesus said to, uh, said to get, you have to give away what you have. He told people to love their enemies. He counseled man to turn the other cheek. He spoke of walking the second mile. He is succeeding through serving and, and denying self. And these are messages that are considered to be nonsensical today. There is no question that the kingdom of God was just like that tiny, insignificant mustard seed in the beginning. No one could see what the tiny seed Jesus was sowing would become. It came as a surprise to them all. There are still many in our day who mock Jesus and make fun of his claims to be God in the flesh and, and, to, and, and the only savior of men. There are many who believe that Jesus never rose again from the dead. There are many who deny that he ever existed. Here are the facts. God sent his son into this world. He planted the Lord Jesus in the insignificant soil of a backwater province of, of Rome called Israel. He, he grew up there and lived there and died there. He rose again in that obscure place. And the kingdom he founded by his death and resurrection continues to exist today. In fact, it appears to be thriving. So that, that is how the kingdom begins. This morning I went on Google to check um, how many Christians are there in the world? In a world that is considered to have 7.5 billion uh, people, there are 2.5 billion Christians. That tiny seed, that man born in Nazareth, we see today, follow us, 
in droves in their billions. Now let's look for a moment how the kingdom builds. We saw how the kingdom begins. Now we see how the kingdom builds. We see in verse 32a how the kingdom builds. Look at verse 32a with me there. This is, uh, for those who came uh, late, this is Mark chapter 4, verse 30 up until verse 34. 32a, look at what he says. He said, yet when it is shown, it grows up. When a tiny seed is planted in good soil, it germinates and produces a very large shrub-like plant that eventually grows to resemble a tree. So some mustard plants have been known to grow as high as 15 uh, feet tall, uh, you know, in, in, in meters. That will be uh, about six meters tall. Something so small with such humble beginnings can become something that is truly amazing to behold. Again, this is a picture of the amazing growth of the kingdom of God. Well, when the seed was planted in ancient Israel, the, the prospects for success seemed far away. In the beginning, there was just Jesus and a few ragtag followers. His followers consisted of some educated fishermen, a few revolutionaries, some women, and a traitor. And by the time, by the day of Pentecost, we, we see Jesus, um, after he has ascended, on the day of Pentecost, there's 120 followers. Uh, only 120 devotees. On that day, in Acts chapter 2, something amazing took place. As they were gathered together in one accord, united, seeking the face of the Lord, the Bible tells us that, uh, uh, you know, tongues of fire fell upon uh, each one of them. And they started to speak in unknown languages, languages that they have never learned before, languages that they never went to school to before, languages that they never heard any of their friends speak before. And they started speaking as the Spirit led them. And, and as they did this, they, 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 they were speaking so loud that the, the, the pilgrims who came there, these were Jewish um, uh, proselytes. Uh, some of them were Gentiles who uh, converted to the Jewish uh, religion, Judaism. And so they would come from different places, from as far as Ethiopia, as far as Cyrene, uh, as far as Egypt, to come to, to Jerusalem for an annual pilgrimage. To observe this day of Pentecost and, and this day something different happens. They hear these 120 believers speaking in their own languages. The languages of these people that are spread on the face of the earth. Someone from Cyrene is surprised. They are speaking in my language, speaking of the glory of God. And what happens that day? They, 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 they come and then Peter stands up for the first time boldly proclaims the gospel. What happens after that? Over 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. When you look at uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 41. A little short 
time later, another 5,000 were saved at one time. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 4. The church began to grow to an astounding rate. It wasn't many days until the church in Jerusalem is said to have numbered more than 50,000 people. The darts of the gospel were, 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 were piercing the hearts of people with conviction and they were surrendering their lives to Christ. That was just the beginning. As the message was carried around the world, vast multitudes became, uh, began to come to Christ. Cities and nations fell on their knees in the face of the, of the message of the gospel of grace. If you look at... Um, our wandering coin. I don't know if you've, you've looked at it before. It has these three Latin words on it. It says soli deo gloria. It means to God alone be the glory. You can see <laughs> the influence of the gospel spreading from nation to nation, city to city. Mr. Nyoni is looking at it. City to city. It's, it's, it's spreading all around. The gospel is marching like an undefeated soldier. And brothers and sisters, we have to be confident in that. That the gospel will march even when there are barricades. The gospel will march in countries where it is illegal. The gospel will march when people do not want it. When the government is against it, the gospel will continue marching on. It will march on. Nothing will ever stop the gospel. Paul speaks about himself as being in chains, but he says something about the gospel. He says, no one can chain the gospel. Every time, I think they, they, they didn't have a strategy when they arrested Paul, they would arrest him and leave his mouth, uh, you know, uh, chain him, but not cover his mouth. Because that was the most powerful thing. It was the most dangerous thing. Because they would, they, would, they would put him in prison, chain him, and chain him to a soldier. The soldier would hear the gospel. When his, when his uh, 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 you know, shift is finished, another soldier will come, that soldier will hear the gospel. And the gospel will start spreading around Rome, and they are wondering, what is happening? The gospel is marching on like a soldier. Undefeated, not scared, confident, powerful, Saving, transforming, redeeming, working in the hearts of individuals. Those the world considered unredeemable, changed, living for Christ, singing one song in their hearts, give me Jesus. I wonder if that is the song of your heart. When all else is considered, I wonder if that is the most important thing in your life. When you take account of your life, account of all that God has blessed you with, indeed God blesses us materially, doesn't he? 
He does bless us materially, but I wonder if you look at those things and, and you consider them. And, 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 and at the end of the day, I wonder if the soul of your heart is, give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Because this world is not permanent, is it? This world is not eternal, is it? This world is passing away, is it? Give me Jesus. Has the gospel marched to your heart? Has the gospel opened your heart? I'm talking to you. I'm not, I'm not asking if you come to church. I'm asking if the gospel has marched in your heart. I'm not asking if you grew up in a Christian family. I'm asking if the gospel has really transformed you. Those things are immaterial. Has the gospel transformed your life personally? On, on Thursday, we saw that you can actually hold the true gospel, but not be true to the gospel. Are you being true to the gospel? I seem to have digressed on. Sorry, I do this a lot. The, the amazing growth has continued, even to this day. It continues. God knows the true count of the souls that have been saved from sin and damnation. Everywhere the gospel seed has been planted, souls have been saved and lives have been changed. The, the church has continued to grow and, and, and will come, uh, you know, and, and, and the kingdom of God on earth um, has continued to expand. There will come a day when a vast multitude cannot be numbered that stands uh, uh, before the Lord in heaven and praise Him uh, uh, for saving them, singing the song of the redeemed. Isn't that amazing, brothers and sisters? That one day we'll stand before Him from every tribe, tongue, nation, singing the song of the redeemed. It's amazing here at Central that you find people from different uh, you know tribes you find Shonas here you find Debeles here you find Tsongas, you find Shangans you, you find Africans you find, we, we will stand before the throne one day shoulder to shoulder singing the same song isn't that amazing to see it just a hint of it at the moment I know we're not singing like kill song or <laughs> but isn't that amazing brothers and sisters to raise our voices together be shaped by the same gospel walk with the same Lord walk shoulder to shoulder serve together isn't that amazing there will come a day there will come a day it might tarry but there will come a day You see, God has a way of bringing great things out of humble beginnings. Look at David. He was a mustard seed himself. He was the youngest son in a family of eight boys. He was ignored and given a job that no one else in the family wanted, taking care of the sheep. God took this mustard seed and made him a giant killing king out of his life. Consider Gideon. He was a mustard seed too, 
He was from the smallest family in the smallest tribe of the nation of Israel. God took Gideon and used him as a great military leader. Now let us look at you. If you're a child of God today, you certainly had mustard seed beginnings as well. According to the Bible, you were a sinner. Falling short of the glory of God, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. According to the Bible, you were under a death sentence and you were headed to hell. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. That, is what, that was your destiny. But God, but God, in His grace, looked beyond what you were to see what you could become through His grace. He saved you planted you in Jesus and now your life is bearing fruit for the glory of God. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says, Who despises the day of small things? Can God take someone who seems insignificant and, and make something great out of them? God can take a backward stuttering man and use him to bring the law of God to humanity. He, he did that with Moses. He can take an awkward, shoe-shy salesman and use him to shake the world for Jesus. He did that with D.L. Moody. What could he do with your life? What could he do with your life? Sometimes we think, God can't possibly use me. Brothers and sisters, are you doubting God? Are you doubting the wisdom of God? The, the power of God? We see how the kingdom grows, how the kingdom builds, how the kingdom, thirdly and lastly, blesses. How the kingdom blesses. Verse 32b, no, look at verse 32b. Says when it grows, when it is in this, it is sown and it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the beds of the earth can make rest in its shade. This tiny seed grew into an immense plant. Its branches spread themselves abroad, offering a place for the birds to rest. In the shadows of that plant, the birds found shelter from the storms rest from their weariness and shade from the heat of the sun that the humble mustard seed produced a plant that had many uses among the human community as well people gathered its leaves and served them up as food that the seeds were crushed and used as seasoning that the pungent flavor enhancing the diet the blend diet of the people those seeds were also used as medicine. They, 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 they were crushed and mixed with other things to make antidotes for snake, scorpion, and, and, and spider bites. Bandages were made and they were used to fight colds and other physical ailments. Just as the plant in this parable brought joy to the bears who flocked to it for shelter, the kingdom of God has provided many benefits for those who have turned to Jesus. Everywhere the gospel has germinated, compassion, decency, and morality has sprung up. 
for hospitals and schools have been founded, truth and salvation have been proclaimed and lives have been transformed, lives have been changed. Everywhere the gospel has gone, it has brought about destruction of demonism, cannibalism, polygamy, child sacrifice, and ten thousands of other evils have surrendered and bowed down and were eradicated. The spread of the gospel has built orphanages for the fatherless and homes for the homeless. The gospel has reached out to comfort the bereaved and care for the frail and cure for the sick. The gospel has changed individuals, communities, and nations. You see, when the kingdom of God moves in divine power, the kingdom of Satan must fall before its appearance. It may have had humble beginnings, but God has used it to accomplish great and wonderful things. Just as the bears in this parable, many, many have found great blessings under the branches of that mustard seed. But those who come to Jesus find more than blessing than they can imagine. In him, they, they find a shelter from the storms of life. Rest from the weariness of sin and religious works. Shade from the fierce, uh, mighty wrath of, of the almighty God. Uh, they, 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 they find food for the hungry soul. A, a new life, a better life. He, he can take a blend life and move it and make that life abound with the blessings of the Lord. He is the antidote of that p terrible poison called sin. He is the cure of the sting of death. He is the cure of the sin sick soul. And thank God for the blessing we find in Jesus the, 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 uh, and I bless the day that I came under the shelter of his branches. I wonder if that is true of you. I bless the day when the bandage of grace was applied to the deadly wound of my sin and I was healed. I wonder if that is true of you as well. Most commentators, when, when you look at this passage, see in this parable a very different picture than I have preached here today. Most see this parable as teaching us that while the gospel may spread and the church may grow, it will become a dwelling place of many who have a false profession. The birds in this parable are believed, according to these commentators, uh, to represent evil spirits. Uh, and those who interpret the parable this way do so because the birds in the parable of the soils in verse 4 represent the devil. They believe this parable teaches us that as the truth grows, so that's the opportunity for the devil to get in and work as well. There is some truth in this view. But I believe that truth is not taught in this parable. The birds in the parable represent lost sinners. Wherever they may be found. And you can hear how Jesus explains it. He explains it in a positive way. That they find shelter. Just as birds find shelter, rest and shade under the branches of, of a tree, lost sinners have the same hope when they fly to Jesus for their soul's salvation. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm glad that there is a place in Jesus for me. I'm glad that I can tell you that there is a place in Jesus for you too. What is the the, the primary message of the sermon, the, the parable of the mustard seed. Well, it is this. The kingdom of God may have had humble beginnings, but it will expand 
and grow until it has a universal impact. The secondary message is this. God can take something that seems so small and insignificant and he can transform it into something real big. He has done that with the kingdom of God. He has done that in many of you. He can do that for all who come to him by faith. You should take a look at your life today. If you are not a child of God, you should take your life and place it in the hands of God. You might think he won't have come, he won't have you when you come to him, or he can't use you. The fact is, he won't turn you away, and he will do more in and through your life than you can ever imagine. If you're a child of God, you should take your life and present it before the Lord today. He can take you and use you in ways you would never believe. Give him your life and watch him work. Bring your mustard seed to him. Bring it today to Jesus and watch him take it and turn it into a massive plant for the glory of God. In the eyes of Jesus, there is no insignificant life. Amen? Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, that in you we are seen. We are recognized. We are not out in the shadows. We are not insignificant. You came for us, Lord. You came and died on the cross, giving your precious life for our lives that were worthless, were not even much. But you chose to redeem us out of your love and your grace. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in your church, in your kingdom. We pray that you will do it in Rustenburg, in South Africa, in Africa, in the world. May your name be praised. That every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.